Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report for week commencing 18th of January 2021. Um, There's an event going on which reminds me of the song that Leicester City fans about Vardy. Vardy's on fire. Your defence is terrified. Well, if you change the word Vardy for the market and put your consumer is terrified that's about the answer to it it is a red hot market mr putin has stepped onto the pitch in a fabulous way if you're sitting long of it um and he's just announced that he's going to stick i think it's 50 euros on uh, exports of wheat from russia from march the 1st which has sent everybody up on top of it already going up Anyway, so the USDA report earlier in the week came out with lower corn stock figures and just confirmed what a lot of people knew about production in South America. So it is just everything coming like a big wave, followed by another wave, followed by another one. So the market has gone up and up and up. So all of the guys we persuaded to trade at £200 a tonne or even the stuff at 190-odd that we were feeling really smug about looks completely lame now. Um... You know, none of us saw this, I'm afraid. We all pretend we did, or some people will say, I I knew that was going to happen, yeah, I knew that, yeah. But, you know, get them to record where it goes to as the top, as just in case they forget some of the other advice they've given. But, you know, exciting times, and times to be, you know, hopefully if you're taking advantage of this, from a farmer perspective, it's great news. The sentiment is dragging new crop up with it, so everything is in a kind of really buoyant, I don't want to sell it sort of mood. Some of these prices are fabulous. I mean, you can trade 2020, 21 crop for later on in the season uh, you know 170 odd x depending if you've got a you know, store tonnage or not that's a lot of money for wheat that's in the ground all right the wheat in the ground looks a bit bedraggled and drowned here and there and so some of the crop is suffering with, with the recent saturation but um you know we're beginning to get to a place which makes a profit for next season so all is very buoyant so let's get down to prices um x farm fee wheat bearing in mind the market's been sort of 350 up and has been 150 up and is dancing all over the place so when it comes to you actually thinking i'll sell some if you've got any old crop wheat left then uh, i think it's a call at that moment in time may x farm 211 that's what it's worth in norfolk at the moment um Different parts of the country have different premiums, but it's going to be 210 plus, I would suggest, for May uh, anywhere. And yeah, depends how quickly you need to move it or whether you want to sell it. Most people seem to be kind of waiting for something they don't know what they're waiting for but i'm sure it'll turn up and they'll recognize it when it happens or they'll just go oh sod it sell it and uh, whoever happens to be lucky to be on the phone when they make that decision will will buy the grain there doesn't seem to be much of it available at this point is our observation so i think it remains firm i think underlyingly we did a podcast a few weeks ago about the dynamics of the may futures 
Um, I stand by that. There is a big problem coming. And if anyone's listening who is short of May futures as a classic hedge and you normally unwind it in sort of April, I suggest you look at it a little earlier than that this year. That is the kindest thing I can do to you is tell you to look seriously at unwinding your futures position because it will not be tendered by anyone with a brain cell who owns a store because you can sell it for more money to other people anyway. Uh, And there's no opportunity for people to refill their stores uh, instead of selling it to consumers. So in other words, the short position will not have the natural people selling it to let you out of your, you know, of your futures position. So just beware. That was kind. That was very kind of me. Feed barley has been whipped up, you know, on, on the tailwind of this. I would suggest to you that the goal has to be, well, certainly it's late 150s X farm now, so it will be 160 for sort of April, May for sure. So, yep, yeah, whether it goes much more than that, I don't know, but it's more money than we pay for lots of malting barley. So, you know, it's a year of um, owning storage and having it up your shirt for a bit longer than someone who has to sell it at harvest time has without doubt given you £40 a tonne benefit so for those of you who don't believe in building sheds the golden years like this it pays for itself time and time again so central stores no doubt doing a good job for farmers um Aussie rape that actually has come off a bit from last week's prices we picked the moment when it was probably at the peak when we recorded last week so current value that mr webster has given me from his little bubble in in Oldborough, um land grabbing webby is 378x for feb at this moment in time old crop is kind of you know poodling along isn't going to go down much you'll you can trade it when you feel like it and you'll end up with 400 pounds a ton with you with your bonuses the one that we're quite friendly to i think the condition of the crop and the stocks in the world i think new crop remains firm so i think underlyingly it's looking like with with world stocks of oil down as low as they are projected that market is going to continue firm throughout So it is a fabulously positive market report two weeks on the trot. You cannot get more upbeat. We've actually had people commenting on how upbeat we were, which must highlight just how miserable I was previously. So I'm really trying to be cheerful, he said. Um, So with that, we have an interview I recorded with one of my colleagues who actually decided to leave doing grain uh, following this with uh, Will Mallett and, well, it all will be revealed within that and after that there's going to be a little uh, interlude of beer tasting not with will because at that point in time we couldn't actually get and, and drink beer but i will be doing a little sample uh, later on with whoever i can grab from the office from the from the the exclusively doing family bubble of one old boy and his two lads so whoever's in the room is going to end up drinking beer with me so anyway enjoy thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. The Dewing Grain app will keep you updated with real-time industry news, data analysis and insights into the market, giving you all the information you need to make informed trading decisions. A commodity selling feature enables you to source prices and receive direct offer notifications informing you on what Dewing Grain are looking to buy and at what price. Search Dewing Grain on the App Store or Google Play to download and with all of these features in your pocket, you'll have more time to sit back and listen to our podcast. To set up a trading account with us, call 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. And now it's time for Farm Chat. Right, today, as we start 2021, I've got with me someone who's been working with Dewing Grain for the last 12 years. And that is Will Mallett. Hello, Will. Hello, Andrew. 
This is a kind of bittersweet moment in the sense that you haven't been on the podcast before, but you're actually leaving us, aren't you? I am, yes. Yes, after, like you say, nearly 12 years. Now, first things first, everybody knows that we're a Norfolk business, and the most important thing about Norfolk is family and how close we all are. So Will is actually my nephew, so let's get that one out there. Yes, yes, I am, for my, for my sins. Yeah, <laughs> you've obviously done something very badly wrong in the in time. Anyway, so so first things first, you know, why on earth would you leave a wonderful company like Doing Grain? Where are you off to? Well, I'm going to go and do something completely different. I'm going to be doing a bit of lorry driving, of all things, which is very much a change from what I'm doing here. Also, I have a bit of a sort of sideline in sort of renting out houses and bits and pieces, so I'm going to be doing some more of that. Which sweet, I've, sweet. Let's, let's, yeah. let's touch on that one. I mean, as a good example, this podcast is listened to by all sorts of people. And, you, you know, you started off without any form of kind of financial backing mm. and you've saved up some money and you've got yourself into property. Instead of just like having a house, you've really worked hard at that side of things, haven't you? So just explain in simple terms the formula of what you've done. Yeah, okay. So it's something I've put up over time. So initially I bought my bought my first house that I moved into in, well, what used to be RAF Cultural. I was very fortunate in that I inherited some money from my granddad, which mm-hmm. enabled me to put down a deposit. From there, I sort of started off by sort of renting out a couple of rooms to people. And then from there, sort of went and bought my first buy select property and but you decided to split you you once you'd had you know you say you had a certain amount of money you put towards it you could have split that money and you decided to remortgage and go actually I don't I just Mm. don't want to make money out of people paying me rent I want to do I mean you aimed at the if you forgive me the Mm. lower end of the market didn't you in terms of cost of purchase yeah absolutely and I mean basically what I found was that if you bought a house for let's say £100,000 you'd rent it out for £600 a month but if you bought a house for £200,000 you wouldn't be able to rent it for 1200 So there was that motivation to go for that and sort of I lower price point. And I used to say, don't buy anything in Yarmouth because it'll flood, didn't I? And you ignored me. <laughs> yes. Thankfully I mean, up, for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> up till now. I mean, so far it's it's worked out. I mean, we'll, we'll see as, as time goes on. I have obviously now sort of started to look sort of further north of the country. But yeah, so and far that, it's And that's because, out. again, your yield against cost of houses, isn't it? You, you're aiming at the market where the houses are a bit cheaper and it's about yield, you probably get a bit more hassle or grief as people, you know, I mean, everyone has a view of these things, but how much hassle is it, people moving in and out? So far, I've been been quite fortunate. I would say, I mean, I generally have had an agent sort of managing my properties, which is obviously, there's a monthly cost to that, but it means that my time is freed up. I'm not getting a call at sort of 10 o'clock at night because the boiler doesn't work. So, yeah, so, so the agents have generally found sort of tenants for me. It's not been been a problem and yeah in terms of moving further north that seems to be working out I mean I bought a couple of properties in Liverpool a year or so ago now and yeah they've so far touched wood had the same tenants in them they've always paid I'm not going to talk it up now but yeah like I say touch wood is going well. So the point I'm trying to get to for people who are listening is that you don't have to be you know money to get yourself rolling in that direction yes you've shared your house with the loads of people and you've been a bit frugal we'll call it naturally but you know the point being that you had a focus on getting as many of those going in the last 12 years that you've worked here and you've managed to get enough behind you to, for that to be your main source of income in the future that's your pension that's your future isn't it yeah um, yeah very true whilst you're not actually going to stop working are you though you're going to go and work as you said as an hgv driver but that's as much to do why the change is it it's not more lucrative as such is it no what well, in terms of the, the lorry driving side or the yeah, property inter- yeah yeah, yeah. It, the, the lorry driving side yeah so i think with with that it's i mean obviously i've been like you say with you within nearly 12 years 
and I've certainly enjoyed my time. There's nothing I've re- regretted as such or anything. I've very much got to say, um, yeah, yeah, I've got to say that one, of course. But no, no, but I've you know, I like, I like everyone here, and I know everyone's going to say that. I appreciate, but I have genuinely enjoyed my time, and it, it's just one of those things. I mean, I mean, to be honest, it's, it's testament to you and everyone here that I have been here 12 years, you know, and I've not just been here a year or two and moved on. That's why I've been here so long. But on the same note, you know, I'm doing a similar job for, for that amount of time. I do feel it's time for a change, time to do something different. Um, I've always enjoyed when you were, driving. Yeah, when you were a little lad, you used to go with your dad to go and pick up breakdown vehicles, didn't you? I did. And you liked that. I remember that. Yeah. You know, yeah. There must be something in that. I want to be a trucker, you know, Yorkie bar in pocket, etc. <laughs> I think, yeah, there probably is an element of that. Yeah, I used to be, yeah, my dad's, you know, up and down the country when he used to do recoveries. And, um, and to be fair, I mean, a lot of my holidays, a few years ago, I had... Andrew kindly allowed me sort of three weeks three weeks off and I sort of travelled across America with a couple of friends and we did 6,000 miles in those three weeks and to a lot of people it'd be like why on earth would you want to you know spend that much time yeah. in the car when you're on holiday and everything but yeah I, lo- I love it so and, and yeah a lot of my holidays you know trips to the Nürburgring various things a lot of it's about road trips and that so yeah because you, yeah. you did a charity buy a banger and drive to somewhere ridiculous didn't you? Where'd, you where'd you go with that yeah so we bought an old 1989 Volvo 740 estate and we went to we had to go sort of through Europe to Rimini in Italy in in four days and we sort of painted in all funny army camouflage colors and this that and the other and raised some money from for charity in the process yeah and we sort of just abandoned we, it in southern Italy well we <laughs> some some people did some people scrapped their cars there but we decided we were originally going to come back over a few days and we there's three of us so we eventually decided we were just going to drive all the way back in one go and by just sort of swapping drivers every so often. I think we got back in about 21 hours or something. Right. So, but yeah, That's the car bad. made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you left it at Dover. That's a point. Actually, you've got to spend a lot of your life at Dover if you're a driver now, won't you, if you're going to be... Queuing. Yes, yeah, sort of joining all, the, <laughs> joining all the queues and everything and sort of doing my best to run, check there's no illegal immigrants hiding anywhere. So in the 12 years that you've been here, you know, you, you've been given the golden chalice? No, well, you've been given the subject that most people kind of wanted to avoid you were responsible for our health and safety for our task registration for all of the all of the various hoops and things that we've had to jump through through a number of years you know so in the 12 years that you've been here has it become harder to achieve what people want of us or is it easier where are you at I suppose there's, there's two ways of looking at it. I mean from one hand from from experience you know you get to know over time what people are looking for and what you know what kind of questions you're likely to get asked and you can better prepare for an audit you know as, 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 as your experience grows but on the same note yes there are more sort of rules and regulations that have been brought in or not not so much more rules but but you know more of a tightening up of criteria so perhaps whereas originally you know you'd register a site as task now you have to list the individual stores you're using and all of those individual stores have to be inspected you can't just inspect the nice shiny store at the front at the front of the site and still you know tip we in Bali and your old scruffy one at the back you know you have to so there is a genuine I mean so so that must mean that the actual inspectors have kind of raised their game a bit yeah I think there was a bit of a time where it was perhaps more paperwork based and if you had the right bits of paper in your, your folder and you could tick the boxes there wasn't so much they would still walk around the site but but perhaps not paying the same level of attention as they would now whereas now they will very much pick up on every little hole in the roof or a gap under a door or, or, or whatever yeah so i mean within that there's an opportunity i mean there's a kind of image you know of it's the job for the jobs worth person mm. have you come across any of those particularly special people who really do you know love that power there's i mean generally no names so no no no, no. <laughs> um i mean overall everyone is to, i would i should 
really probably start by saying that generally people are pretty fair and reasonable and you know, they respect you trying to do a job at the end of the day. But yes, there has been the, the odd person. I mean, there's, uh, one of the things that immediately comes to mind is a gentleman saying to me, um, so whereabouts is your jewellery policy? And I was like, so what do you mean about jewellery policy? He said, oh, you need to have a jewellery policy that says you're not allowed any jewellery in the stores. And I was like, what do you mean, like necklaces and things? And he's like, well, yes, and also, you know, like wedding rings. People shouldn't be wearing their wedding rings if they go into the grain store and this sort of thing. And I, was, I kind of thought he was joking, but he was, no, he's actually being serious, so... I mean, so I mean, yeah, I mean, most people do, don't they? I don't, I, I never. Yeah, I'm, that. I mean, I, th- I think what what it was, he was coming from, he was coming to an audit at a grain store, and he was coming from a food production site, yeah. and you know, obviously, yes, to be fair, if you're on the production line handling cabbages or, or, or whatever it yeah, is, yeah. then then yeah, you're not going to be wearing jewellery. So I see, I see why he said that, but obviously, it was completely irrelevant to a, to a grain store environment. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, opinion. I mean, I was really glad when you came and worked for us because I was able to kind of like ditch all that stuff on you, and, I, and I'm really grateful for that. And you know, so encompassed, obviously, we've given advice to farmers on their ACCS, haven't we? Where they're a little bit yes. loose. Have you had much resistance from some of the stores we've registered? You know, where we've registered future stores, they have to become task registered. You know, have all of the farmers all of the time been that good compliant, or are some of them a little bit like, oh, this is a pain. I'm not going to really bother with it. Generally, yes. I, I mean, I can say they've all been pretty good, to be fair. I mean, as as is the nature of the job, you know, there's always perhaps times where, you know, you sort of go around and maybe someone's perhaps got a little bit behind on a couple of their records and you just sort of have to remind them, you know, you do need to do these bits. If we get an inspection, it needs to be in the right place. But generally, especially these days, they've, they've kind of come on board with it and, and bought into it and, and are... So have, have attitudes changed? Are, you know, are people more accepting of rules and regs now i think they are generally and i mean i think that that goes for sort of the whole industry i mean if we look at um passports for loads coming in from farmers you know generally nine times out of ten they'll all be filled in properly these days whereas perhaps in the early days, yeah perhaps in the early days you know you might you might just about get wheat written at the top and then perhaps a tick halfway down the page and that would kind of be about you about your lot so i think yeah certainly attitudes have changed over the course of time yeah what's what's been the biggest frustration in the dynamic of it all oh yeah that's a good question it probably to be fair yeah it probably, probably is that really it probably is just you know just trying to bring people around to the mindset that all right yes it is an extra job in a way and it's a, you know it's, it's something extra that you've got to think about but it needs to be it needs to be done you know f- for the industry to kind of move forward and you know for us to sort of satisfy satisfy all the criteria that we need to these days for the audits and for the molsters and the millers and everything yeah just just be able to bring people around to that way of thinking and, you know, within that, is there, you know, how do you deal with an unreasonable request? Not not the wedding ring thing, but, you know, somebody on an intake has some sort of pet foible, you know. Yeah. What's your tactic with them? Do you kind of agree and then go, but maybe you should think of this? Or do you, you're not one for con- confrontation, are you? I no, I wouldn't, like, just outright disagree with them. I'd probably try and try and debate i'm trying to think this i'm trying to think of an example yeah if if there was something which i thought well yeah that's really not right i don't agree with that or you know the task rules don't say we need to go to that level there's a point at which you've got someone who is come up with a policy and they've made that as a statement this is what we want to do and it is an unreasonable it's quite tough isn't it because you it is you're kind of you're kind of caught in the middle you'd normally i'd perhaps try and explain it i mean if it was something that was perhaps going to take too much of someone's time or you know there was just too much cost associated to it I would yeah just try and explain look we want to obviously comply with your rules we want to do everything that we can we want to work with you this that and the other but you know this 
you know, we've kind of got, let's say, two people on this site. You know, they've, they've got all this, this going on. As much as we want to do that, there just isn't the, the capacity to be able to fit that into our, to our systems. We can perhaps work with you and maybe water it down a little bit and, and, and fit an element of it in. But, yeah, I'll just try and explain to them and just try and well, I, see it from never, our point of view. I haven't had to get involved at any point. You've always managed to, you know, placate or calm or persuade people to do things. I mean, you've, you've had discussions with me about, you know, oh, I don't like the look of this or whatever, but very rarely. So it's a credit to you that I haven't had to get too involved with the with the minutiae of it. So I'm grateful for that. But it's, you know, I just wondered, because it's, it's an area which is fraught with danger if someone brick walls isn't it if someone draws a line in the sand ah we're not doing that then you've instantly got a problem because once someone sets their shoulders in the other person's likely to do the same aren't they i mean i I suppose wise advice there is the will mallet tactic of (laughs) agree smile and go but perhaps if you just tried this sir yeah i think it's yeah it's all about working yeah working with people isn't it and just trying to trying to come up with some middle ground i think yeah hypnotize them yeah, yeah, yeah. Try, try that. That'd be a new strategy. Maybe we'll pass that on to Jack and Joe. Indeed. Well, we, we've got, you know we're absorbing your role in within our team. You know, this industry is the costs go up, the regulation increases. In order to be on the pitch, you have to have more and more capacity of knowledge. But yeah, we we equally are looking at an industry that's getting cut to shreds. So we we are going to not replace you, but you know you've spent the last three months absolutely drumming into the other guys i mean obviously joe had his experience with health and safety in the past so he's got a golden start which is which is the backbone of lots of it isn't it but um it's an opportunity for those guys to have more responsibility and work harder (laughs) yeah i love it how do you see you know 10 years from now if you were to come back and visit you know the industry and be or be an expert that's the next trick to be a consultant because you've definitely got the capacity to be a consultant with because you've got knowledge of the product there's a little plug for you will yeah. someone out there if you if you've got a store you want to register or you need some advice on tasks i'm sure he's a, a reasonable value where do you see it going in the future 10 years from now what would be different do you think i mean i think I mean, I know this is something that you're not, not, so, not so keen on, but I mean, I mean, I can kind of see things. I mean, at the moment, we are very much still, still paperwork based. You know, when it comes to audits, we're still very much going through folders, you know, and showing all the different documents. I can see things going more online and being more digital. I mean, one of the things, particularly this year with COVID, for the first time, we've had audits conducted or at least an element of the audits conducted remotely. So rather than the guy coming and flicking through the folder of paperwork, sitting on a Zoom call with him and, you know, either showing things up to the screen or perhaps have emailed things across in advance for him to look through. So, yes, I see. I see maybe that will be more electronic passports. Yeah, possibly electronic. Yeah, electronic passports possibly coming in but as you've rightly pointed out before i know there are sort of various well, issues with that currently my, my, my issue with that mm. a lot you know it's a fantastic piece of central office thinking by a accountant who's never had mud on his shoes you end up with the two guys who were the most rubbish at it performing an action the weybridge operator no disrespect and the haulage the lorry driver you could be one of them yes Wilkins. i can make jokes so you'll be really good now. at it but i mean there's a load of those guys out there who just you know they're in their late 50s they've never mm. really embraced modern technology and they're the people expected to use their smartphone that they haven't dropped in the puddle that morning or their mug of tea or whatever they've you know and they've got to go bleep with a machine with a guy who's got absolutely no mobile coverage because they're in the middle of Norfolk, which is, you know, shite internet, bluntly. Mm. We'll, we'll be good internet in 2027 or 2057. But there's an issue. I think there will be 
lorries physically unable to shift due to a very basic lack of understanding or knowledge of very basic which which someone in office would never understand they call everybody thick but the reality of actual practical you know then there's a system that at the moment you don't have to pay someone to maintain no that's true once you get an electronic you know a, a firm's got control of the gateway they charge you and then the charges go up and up and up and the IT man makes lots and lots of money out of it you have to use him at the moment you can use a yellow ticket if you if you can make sure that the cost of it is absorbed within the AHDB levy, fine. But if you're going to suddenly start charging people for that, yes, I do have a problem with it because you, you give away the gateway. And in the end, all of these things ultimately have an element of control from the bigger companies who can just tweak it a bit more to make it a little bit harder for someone to set up and compete with them. So it, it's all part of the gradual sort of corporatization of everything. That I, I, you know, I was called a Luddite about eight years ago on this subject. And I'm very glad eight years on that they weren't right. It hasn't come. And I, I do think that there needs to be a little bit more debate before we go to that place. But yeah, I mean, a pandemic has certainly focused the mind on changing. I I accept that. That's my speech. Anyway, is it possible to have a bug-free store at all times? Ultimately, no, I think is the short answer to that. I mean... You can do everything you can, but ultimately, if you've got, I don't know, let's let's say you've got a, th- a thousand tons coming into your store, which is depending on the size of the store and everything, or you're into, into that, into your particular silo, you know, every load that, that comes in, you can sue it for bugs and do all the checks you want. But ultimately, if your sample of that 30 ton lorry might be 20 kilos, well, you, you know, you're sampling a fraction of that lorry. Yeah, I mean, you're trying to obviously do your best to take a representative sample. And, you know, if there's, if there's lots of bugs in there, if there's, there's bugs throughout the load, yes, you're going to find them and you you're going to be able to stop that load going into your store but yeah if there's if there's one or two here and there are you going to find them unfortunately the likelihood is probably not so yeah you can only do the best you can do and then and then obviously just just keep checking and and if you do have a problem if you can pick up on it early it makes it 10 times easier to sort than looking at it six times time that's the discipline isn't it Mm. the the bit of actually looking regularly going and looking go and have have a check people quite often you know literally tip the stuff in the shed at harvest time and then leave it you know might put the fans on cool a day i'll turn them on but they don't really go and look do they you know I mean, it's a yeah. awesome. and you've all walked on heaps where there's been nobody walking on that heap mm. except for rufus the rat every now and again or whoever but but you know so there is a, a laxness about it which if you cut the stuff dry you can get away with it and it goes in november you're probably going to be bug free and so on but that discipline as a storekeeper you know every every month you physically go this time of year do physical stock checks don't you and you know as the discipline early early part of the season we're out there all the time looking bug traps everywhere it's it's quite a lot of work isn't it is it yeah it can be quite involved and it's but it's as we, as we said, you know, it's it's worth just having a yeah having a look and going and you know and if I if I do find two or three bugs somewhere, at least at that point, it's normally relatively easy to kind of deal with if they're you know in they're sort of tucked away in a corner or something. Rather than six months later, you sort of open this open the shed to outload in March and you just see it's all green across the top or something. You know, it's yeah finding it early does seem to be the key. Do you remember that store out Wisbeach way? Yes, I do. <laughs> Very much. So, I mean, it's a difficult one to talk about. We Several years ago, we took on a store slightly out of Norfolk, or just about on the edge of Norfolk, and that was a terrible nightmare, wasn't it? That was just unbelievably frightening, just how allowing a farmer who wasn't 
actually taking full responsibility to do something it was I mean like we can talk about it now because it's 12 years old but boy oh boy that was a terrible moment we walked literally went into a shed for an inspection and we hadn't we hadn't inspected them enough you know it's early days and uh, we'd registered it as a future store and we turned up and it had a little green carpet on the top didn't it yeah. and it was like oh anyway we, we we a team of us turned up and broke all the rules in terms of shoveling moldy grain and sorting it out and treating it didn't we but god oh, what a lesson that was yeah absolutely yeah absolutely that was certainly an experience wasn't it i remember i mean various various <laughs> memories from from that but but yeah i think to be fair i think sort of you and another guy had been and sort of shoveled most of the green stuff off the top from memory and then then me and someone else or might have been a couple of us went in well uh, one of my one of my memories that sticks in my head is putting a temperature probe in i say bear in mind this was this was sort of March time when the grain should have been, let's say, 10 degrees or something, 9, 10 degrees. I remember the temperature sort of jumping straight up and it going to 46.9. Uh, that still sticks in my head. And another another memory is looking sort of down at the grain, standing up, looking at the grain, thinking, oh, the grain's actually turned black here. It's got the... And then... I got closer, realised the grain wasn't black. It was just all the bugs on top of bugs. Yeah, it was just created this black tinge at the top. Having an orgy. Yeah, now I, I can remember, my, well, for what it's worth, the day I discovered it was a Saturday and I took the guy out with me who recommended the store, if you like. And uh, yeah, we did spend that day. We we're going to do it now, was my, was my tactic. And we, we spent the day shoveling crap and uh, I can remember the fan that had been shoved in by this farmer laughing boy that he was and actual water was spouting out of the fan so the condensation was coming up the fan and just spurting out like a watering can it's like oh man so I've, I have seen the worst and I've learned the most valuable lesson in that you actually physically have to go out there yourself and physically make sure people do things we've never ever had anything like that since and we got out of it didn't we that was a quite brilliant piece of trading but anyway uh, yeah no we uh, oh what a misery Anyway, so given all the experience you've got in this industry, you know, you're going to be lorry driving, you're obviously going to do your property portfolio in the background for as the key to your future. You know, you've got to do something with your time. What's your ideal scenario once you've done with driving sugar beet to Cantley and being stuck at Dover or picking up grain with Jimmy Gray from some of our farms? What's your plan? That is a very, yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, I think... To be honest, that will probably become clearer once, you know, once obviously I sort of, yeah, leave, leave here and kind of, you know, do some lorry driving for a bit. I'm sure it will all, all become all become clear. But basically, I want to sort of move more into the property side of things as I hopefully, you know, carry on sort of gradually sort of build a portfolio over time. I want to spend, yeah, spend a bit more time on that. That's what I, I suppose that's ultimately my passion, if you like. That's what I enjoy doing. So, yeah, whether that be... I haven't got to worry you're going to set up in uh, opposition then. Don't think, Mallet. no, I'm not, not going to be starting up a grain merchants just yet anyway. Um, I, yeah, so no, I think, you're, I think you're safe. But yeah, I will. I mean, ultimately, yeah, I probably will be doing some property bits and pieces. I'm certainly be doing something to keep me busy. I don't want to end up being one of these people sort of one day sort of just watch his daytime TV or anything like that. So uh, yeah, I'll certainly be keeping keeping occupied. Yeah, you've got to work, haven't you? At this point, yeah. otherwise you just, you know, what do you do? Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. It's all right, maybe having an extra day off to go on a bike ride or, or something like that. But yeah, ultimately, yeah, you just get bored, wouldn't you? You have to do something, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Will, it's been a pleasure working. I, I know your family and all that, but it's been a pleasure working with you. You're, you're so reliable, so absolutely straight, so calm. Never, never have you given me any grief, which is incredibly kind, because anyone who employs anyone will know that's a, a rare a rare issue. So, you know, Will, thank you for the 12 years you've given us. I'm glad you've got a, a very strong platform you're standing on, and I wish you all the very best in your future. I shall obviously know, because I'll see you at the old uh, weddings and funerals, won't I? 
Yes, very true. Well, thank, thank you very much, Andrew. And yeah, thank you for the 12 years. Yes. Yeah, thank you very much for all your support. Yeah, all the and the employment over the. Uh, it was the it was better than Woolworths, wasn't it? Uh, yes, yes. Well, I, I was only there. I was only there sort of seven, about seven years. Admittedly, not so much through my choice when it all closed down. But uh, but yeah, I've been with you, been with you. Yeah, a lot longer I was there. So <laughs> good man. Cheers, Will. Thank, thank you. you, Andrew. Cheers. Right, following the interview with Will, I've got some great news. We have been given a crate full of beer by Simon Minns from James Mortier Limited of Yorkshire. Now, he's a Yorkshire trader who's emailed us and said he loves our podcast, thoroughly enjoys it. And not only that, he sent us a pack of Yorkshire tea. Yeah, Yorkshire tea. (laughs) So, Henry, um, we're going to crack into, you've got a choice, or we can have a bit of each, if you like. We've got... We've got Wald Top, um, Hello Velo. Hello, um, hello. Which looks a little bit darker. A little bit cyclisty. Uh, 4.2% volume of alcohol. Yeah. And, and we... then you've got a World Top Angler's Reward with a fisherman on the front. Um, pale Ale, which is 4% and looks a bit blonder, which would be really okay. quite nice. So you in charge of opening it and pouring it, yeah. so we'll judge you against <clears throat> the Webmeister. In the meantime, the Hello Velo one has got a cyclist on it. And you know we all love cyclists <laughs> a lot. I want to just talk about Yorkshire tea firstly. It's very kind of you, Simon, and you know here is a is a freebie. Any of our Yorkshire listeners, and we have got them. We've got we've had letters coming in and emails, not letters, had emails coming in saying how much they enjoy our podcast. How about that? Um, but yeah, Yorkshire, we're we're not up there, so deal with Mortiers. I mean, they're the boys who send us free beer, so free advert, and it's a whole crate. So you're going to run on about that for weeks, aren't we? But anyway, Simon, thank you very much. All I'd say about the Yorkshire tea is, has it got plastic things inside? Can we blame you Yorkshire boys for killing all the fish? Because, you know, I think Yorkshire came out. Yorkshire tea came out badly on the analysis of who, who had plastic bits in their tea bag. So if you could have a word, save the planet, it would be great. Right, Henners? Um, from first opinion, actually, I was wrong on the bottle. The bottle uh, of Hello Velo suggested it was going to be a bit darker, but it's actually a lot lighter. Ooh. So I've poured the beers. I'm going to go for the Hello Velo because I love cyclists best. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. That's marvellous. That is marvellous. Free beer. There's nothing quite like it, is there? Yeah, so Wold Top. uh, Where are they based, does it say? Wold Newton, Driffield. Yeah. Well, one, it's free. But two, that is a really nice drinking beer. 4% pale ale. That is proper old boy stuff. You've got to agree on the Hello Velo as well, actually. I hope I'm saying Velo right or... It might be Velo, but it's... It's not Velo. I don't know. It's Norfolk, lad. But it's... <laughs> that's really good. I think... Uh, Henry spends some time in London. Nice. <laughs> Velo. Hello, <laughs> Velo. Um, yeah, that was really good, actually. I think uh, kept in the fridge would be best for that one. Oh, my office doesn't have the heating on because I'm saving the planet. <laughs> that's quite cold, isn't it? I think it's perfect for a Friday afternoon. Mm. I think if this this one in particular would be good when you first got into the pub and you needed something a bit stronger than like a like a wherry or like a, a flat ale. You yeah. need like something with a bit of kick to it, and that's uh, certainly got that. It's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, Josh just went to buy the sandwiches, so he missed out on the beer, which is perfectly fine, isn't it? So, um, what do you reckon to having uh, you know working with your old man and your brother? Dream yeah. come true, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> the dream team. It's only yeah, it's only me, you, and um, Josh in at a time at the moment, and it's been uh, in our little bubble. In our little bubble. Yeah, no, it's nice. Yeah, no, and uh, you know we've got uh, we've got the other bubbles. We've got Andy and uh, Ian, and we've got Ben and Joe. 
Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just kind of... Yeah, no, it's nice. Obviously, you get to spend more time together and obviously call you Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than that. Porter. <laughs> we we had um last week we actually bubble broke but in a, in a, a keeping away and having a mask on all that rubbish well not rubbish obviously it'll be grown up but you know we had webby and um, ben and i've got to say last week's podcast had a phenomenally positive response we were childish it got it was all very grown up until a certain point until webby cracked a thing about you know don't don't suppose you've been to beaver down much being a ginger that from then onwards <laughs> it went really well, we had some so many people who laughed they, they really laughed you know and I've I got to say that... That's it, a classic Webby comment. Well, it seems to me that people like to have a spot of positivity. It's really... I mean, 2020 has kicked 2020 out. And 2021's worse, isn't it? So everyone's like, oh, we're stuck in this. You were starting in a lockdown, didn't we? Did, uh, we uh, the last one started in April. But talking positivity, yeah. I'm actually listening on Audible to Ant Middleton, the former SAS soldier from Who Dares Wins, who does it on Channel 4. Um, his, it's called Zero Negativity, and he's talking about positivity and how infectious that is. And But you should surround yourself by positive people. And Do you have to say things like, boom? Boom. Yeah, boom. <laughs> I don't think so. Ben does that. Boom. No, just uh, being that's surrounded not, by people that, that uh, that's not positive. have a positive outlook. Boom. <laughs> There's one good. for you. Boom. <clears throat> so that's the feedback you had from it. Yeah, no, I've got people sending me emails saying, and, and, I, and it's really nice. And I, I, the, the, the absolute truth of it is, that, you know, people emailing you and saying, you know, we're not going to trade with you because we're millions of miles away, but, you know, we really appreciate your independent advice. We really appreciate the, the dynamic of what you're doing. I've, I've emailed back and, and I've said, in all honesty, I, you know, my ego is sufficiently massaged or whatever it is. I'm enjoying it. I'm truly enjoying it. The deadline's a bit annoying to get the stuff in on time, but. I am truly enjoying the process. And more importantly, some of these recordings will become priceless. Not of me, but some of our guests. Yeah, I think I think some of them are great. But you know, do I don't think you sounded it when you were there. You sounded, uh, that's really great. That really sounded like you thought it was great. <laughs> <clears throat> Sound like no, some, of them, some of them are legendary. Yeah, they'll be, be positive they thinking. Are great. They are fantastic. Positive people. <laughs> no, not they enough. are best. Not enough. Not enough tone in your voice there. <laughs> They're great. That's okay. They're great. Thank you. Like, Genuinely what was, what amazing. Was your next question. Um, how are you finding working with uh, with us two? Well, you know, it's a bit like. It's not quite the same as trying to get you two to do homework because that was just a complete and utter nightmare. It was like, oh, really? <laughs> Why don't I just cook you food and let you eat, you know, just cook you pizza, come to that, give you a chocolate pudding, and then everybody's happy. Yeah, yeah sod the homework. No, um, no, it's different, isn't it? Because you, you've finally grown up. No, you, you, you've got to a place where, where um, you know what you want to do. You're, you're doing your, your app thing and yeah. you're helping us with, with getting ours fine-tuned. And Josh is, is, is nailing the seed and dealing with farmers. And it's, it's yeah. like everybody's working. It's focused and it's, you all understand the sort of dynamics. I mean, this, this week with the market going up and us being the right side of the market, it's been really quite exciting, hasn't it? Yeah, for sure. Since I've been in here, it seems to be get, keep kept going up. So maybe I'm, I'm lucky. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're obviously lucky. <laughs> okay. Yeah, genetically very lucky. No, it's uh, the Tuesday with the with the um the USDA that came out. It's been a long time since one of them kicked off and the market went up dramatically. So that was yeah. quite exciting. Um it's exciting yeah. for me to listen to to because it's it's completely different from the world I've been around and uh yeah, it's 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 cool. The, really really The exciting. velo word. Yeah, world. velo, velo. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, I hope you don't mind drinking beer with the old boy, and uh, we'll have to tell him we've already done it when he gets back with the sandwiches, won't we? Yeah, but I think uh, he's actually gone to get some more beers. Actually, I think. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, I've got a Christ, I've got boxes of them. We man. have, yeah. I just from these boys. I mean, I'm really great. Anyone out that there? Is, yeah, that is great that you've been James Mortier, free, free advert time. This is how it works. You, the, the world's best podcast, the Pleasure Dome podcast. World's top brewery. Yeah. It's here. Send us beer, you get a mention. Anyway, with that, have a great week. I hope we sound positive enough for you and uh, carry on the good work. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.